0: So if you're visiting with us, if you're new today, what we're doing is we're going through, or we've been through, this is the third part of a three-part series called Fear Not. We've been looking at different different stories or different situations in the Bible of the Christmas story, that is, when an angel would appear. And some of the very first words that the angel would say were this, it was fear not. That's kind of how the King James puts it, fear not. Two weeks ago, we saw an angel uh, appeared, Gabriel appeared to Mary, and we looked at the fear of what God may ask us to do. I prayed that you remembered that message, because I know I have, because it has spoken volumes in my life as well. And as we went through that, if you remember, we talked about the fact that a lot of times we view God's interruptions in our lives as inconveniences. I mean, we see those as inconvenient when we need to be seeing God's interruptions as imitations invitations to something bigger, invitations to something more. We oftentimes are fearful of what God may want us to do because, because we see that his purpose is interrupting our plans. And when we need to begin to focus on God's plans and the fact that if God has spoken into our lives and his plan is so much bigger than we could ever imagine. And when we really give ourselves to that, we don't have to worry. We don't have to know the details. Why? Because You remember what we said? The outcome is whose? Who is it? Well, I'm glad everybody was together on that. Let's let's try that again. The outcome is who? God's. And what's our responsibility? Obedience. So the outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is our responsibility. Then we looked last week as as the angel appeared to Joseph and we dealt with the fear of what others may think what others may say. And how that really kind of can be distracting in our life. Today we're going to look at the angel as it appears to some lowly shepherds. And the fear I want to talk to you about is a fear that I believe that many people have. Whether you want to admit it or not, I believe this is a fear that a lot of us struggle with. And it's simply this, where do I stand with God? Where do I stand with God? I think think if I was to take a poll and just ask today... Are you comfortable in your standing with God? Do you know where you stand with God? Do you know that when you die, you're going to heaven? You see, there's a lot of believers today, unfortunately, a lot of Christians who would say, well, I've been a Christian, but I hope I'm going to heaven. (laughs) Yes, I hope I'm in good standing with God. Let me tell you, if you're in the hope so stage, you have no clue what God has done for you. And you need to begin to understand what God has done because we don't have to live in the hope so stage. We can live in the reality of what God has promised and what he has said to those who take him as Lord and Savior. So we're going to look at that fear. Where do I stand with God? So let's pray as we begin. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this morning. God, I just pray your spirit to just be poured out upon this place and that that, God, we might just truly have hearts and minds that are receptive to what you have. Lord, I know that you are doing a a great work in people's lives. And so, Father, I pray that continues today. Help us to put put aside all the the plans, all the details, all the things that that we have that this time of year just kind of absorbs all of our energy and time. But yet, God, help us just to set that aside for just a few moments so that our focus can be on what you have for us and how you want to speak to our hearts today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I heard about a guy, and he was talking about Uh, growing up as a kid and how he said that for whatever reason when he was growing up as a kid he was scared to death that he wouldn't be good enough for God. He said he just lived with this fear that he wouldn't be good enough for God and when he got older he said that he always worried about where he stood with God, where his relationship was. Again as crazy as it sounds he said that it goes back to when he was very young And his mom taught him this little prayer. It's a prayer that all of us know. It's a prayer that starts out kind of good, but then kind of has this little freaky part in it. It goes like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Now here's the freaky part. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. He said that his mom would finish praying would tuck him in and then go, sweet dreams. (laughs) He's going, sweet dreams, I'm freaked out. He said, all I could think about was, I could die tonight, and if I die tonight, God, don't leave me behind, don't send me to hell. I want to go to heaven. He said for years, he was just freaked out, wondering where he stood with God. Now, as I said a moment ago, today we're going to look at another fear not message from an angel. And I believe that this story literally could speak to you in a way that can be a game changer when it comes to your standing with God. And so if you've got your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 2. Open them up to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one, hopefully in one of the seats under, uh, in front of you under the seat. If not, if your neighbor's not looking and they have one, use theirs. Um, Or you can just follow along on the screen. But Luke chapter 2, we're going to just be reading verses 8 to 11. Verses 8 to 11. Again, this is a very familiar part of the Christmas story. It's something we hear. It's something we've read. something we've learned. something we probably talk about every Christmas in some ways. Yet today, I I want us to see this through a different lens. I want us to view this in a way... That hopefully will help us to get rid of that fear. Where do I stand with God? Let's begin. That night some shepherds were in the fields nearby watching their sheep. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord was shining around them. And they became very frightened. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. Or as we said in the King James, it puts it, fear not. I am bringing you good news that will be a great joy to all the people. Today your Savior was born in the town of David. He is Christ the Lord. Now I want us to step back from this story for just a moment. And I want us to begin to kind of look at this in another perspective for just a moment. Imagine you are a part of a royal family. And you want to announce the most amazing and the most joyous news ever. It's a birth that literally could change the course of history. And it's happened in your family. How would you announce that? Who would you invite to come to see this amazing baby that was about to be born? You see, when a child is born into a member of royalty, it's, it's a big deal. Announcements are made and sent out on gold leaf invitations. And they're sent to political leaders, foreign heads of state, and to anyone who is anybody. But probably they're not sent to the outcasts of society. Now back in the time when Jesus was born, whenever a family would give birth to a child, it was common, especially if they were financially, avail- uh, financially had means, they would hire a herald. Now this would be a person who would go out and herald or announce the birth of their child, especially if it was their first son because he was a symbol of God's blessing. It meant that their family name would continue on. And basically, that's what God does. God sends an angel to herald to announce the good news of the birth of the Messiah. And again, you would expect an event like the birth of God's Son to be announced to the most important people in the nation. But here's the thing. None of them got the word. None of them got the message. None of them were invited. Now, there's one thing that sometimes we, we tend to overlook. It's something I want us to remember and to keep in mind, and that is this. There's only one announcement of Jesus' birth recorded in the Scriptures. There's only one announcement of Jesus' birth recorded In the Bible, only one invitation from God for someone to go visit Mary Joseph and the baby Jesus. And who does God give that announcement to? I mean, who does he invite to come and see the one who was born to die for the sins of mankind? Well, that announcement is given to a ragtag collection of uneducated, smelly, low-class shepherds. Now, before we go on, let me give you a little background to help us to understand why this was so crazy in the the eyes of the religious community. You see, shepherds were probably the last people you would expect, and they would expect God to give this kind of news to, the news of the birth of the Messiah, his son. Here's why. First of all, they were considered borderline social outcasts. I mean, since they were constantly on the move to find new pastures, they were looked on with suspicion, kind of the way people over the years have looked at gypsies or carnival workers. They were often accused of being thieves, so if something came up missing, guess what? Well, it must have been the shepherds. They snuck into town, they took whatever it was. In fact, they were not allowed to give testimony in legal proceedings because their word was considered not trustworthy. Nobody could trust them. So they were considered borderline social outcasts. But second of all, they were considered religious outcasts. You see, according to Jewish law, these men were unclean. Their line of work prevented them from making sacrifices at the temple, for showing up for the feasts or going to the synagogues. And so because of that, the religious leaders taught that the shepherds were not good enough for God. That they could not be made right with God. Because they could not live up to the religious rules of the day. And so they were looked down on from a very pious religious community. This is how they were made to feel. Which caused them to feel very distant from God. And it caused them to live in fear of where they stood with their God. Let me give you three possible reasons why that was true. First is this. They were made to feel very unworthy. They felt very unworthy to stand before God. Again, they were nomads. They were wondrous whose whose job took them on the road 24-7. Sometimes they would be gone for weeks or even months at a time as they sought out new pastures. And so because of that, they couldn't come to the temple. And because they couldn't come to the temple, they were declared ceremonially unclean. In other words, they were not good enough for God. They were unworthy to even come into the presence of God. In the eyes of the religious community, they were spiritually dirty. In fact, if a religious person touched a shepherd, guess what? That person would also be considered spiritually unclean. And so you can imagine how unworthy they must have felt. I mean, how they would take that personally. I mean, you couldn't help but take that personally, could you? And they felt like they just could not come before God. They were unworthy to come before God. They just, they weren't good enough for God. And here's the thing. The reality is that's the way many of us can feel. Even today. I mean, as we come here to worship there's there may be some of you who are sitting here right now and the reality is if you were really honest with yourselves you feel very unworthy to come before God I mean you come to church you put on your church face while inside you're still thinking about all the bad stuff that you've done this last week and we think to ourselves how could God consider me worthy I mean, somebody like me, with the things that I've done, how can God see me as worthy? After all, man, I almost killed my kids on the way to church. If my arm had been any longer than it was, man, I would have taken one of them out. And we feel very unworthy to come into the presence of God. And the shepherds felt the same way. They felt very unworthy They weren't good enough, which made them also feel very inadequate. They felt unworthy. They felt very inadequate. Again, they were uneducated. Nobody wanted to be around them, and they they never felt like they measured up, both in religion as well as in society. As I thought about that, here's my thought. Isn't it amazing that when we compare ourselves to others, how inadequate we can feel? I mean, isn't it? And when we start playing the comparison game, either from a, a, a religious standpoint or from a social standpoint, when we begin to compare ourselves to others, we can feel, we can feel very inadequate. And so we can come to church and, and we, we can look around at everybody else, and especially this time of the year, the Christmas time, we look around and everybody looks so Christmassy and you know, so holy and so righteous. And we're thinking... Man, why can't I feel that way? I mean, they seem to be so close to God. They've got a Bible verse for everything. They're quoting books I didn't even know was in the Bible. You know, their prayers are so powerful. But when it comes to my spiritual life, man, it sucks. I just don't measure up, I'm just really inadequate. And the shepherds felt the same way, very inadequate, to come before their God. But thirdly, they felt very unloved. Again, most of them were thieves, and even the ones that weren't thieves were lumped in with the rest and were considered thieves. They weren't trusted. People didn't want to be around them. They wanted to stay as far away from them as they they possibly could. Most, if not all, couldn't get married because no father wanted to bless their daughter to marry a shepherd. And to make matters worse, the religious community was basically telling them that guess what? God doesn't love you either. And so they felt very unloved. And my guess is today, if you were honest with me, there are some sitting here today who would have to say, you know what? That's me. I just feel very unloved today. Yeah, I know, I've got I've got a lot of things to be thankful for, but I just feel very unloved. I mean you don't understand uh, my spouse left and now I'm spending Christmas asking myself why even though they said they just don't love me anymore and we feel very unloved You see we've we bought the lie that says that we're not good enough We've bought the lie that says we don't measure up, either in other people's minds or as we think in God's mind. Some can even get to the place where we look in the mirror and we don't like the person that we're looking at. And So you think, if they don't love me, and I don't love me, then how in the world is God going to love me? And we can feel very, very Unloved. Here's the bottom line. Religion didn't work for the shepherds. And you need to understand this. Religion will not work for us either. Religion didn't work for the shepherds, and religion won't work for us. It made them feel distant. It made them feel unworthy. It made them feel inadequate. It made them feel unloved. And it made them question their standing with God. And it will do the same for us. Now, you may be thinking... Now, wait a minute. What are you saying? I mean, I thought you were a pastor. What are you trying to tell us? What I'm saying is this. God did not announce the birth of Jesus because he was bringing religion into the world. He didn't announce the birth of Jesus because he was bringing another religion into the world. It seems like there's a new religion popping up every day. Instead, he was announcing the birth of his son because Jesus would set us free from the chains of religion. You see, religion reduces Christianity down to rules, to a set of do's and don'ts. That's why it didn't work for the shepherds. Christianity was never meant to be a religion. It was meant to be a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. That's what it was meant to be. And let me tell you, that's the good news. When the angel said, I've got good news for you, that's the good news right there. And that good news was for everyone, especially for those unworthy, inadequate, and unloved shepherds. (coughs) Excuse me. I love the words. And you may, I don't know if you caught this or not, because I really didn't the first couple times I read through, I just kind of glossed over. And so I don't know if you caught this or not, but when I went back after really putting this stuff together, I went back and reread on the, the last verse, and it just struck me. Listen to what it said, and I've kind of emphasized the parts. The angel said, I am bringing you. He was addressing the shepherds. I'm bringing you good news. You good news. And what's the good news? And it's good news that will be great joy to what? All people. Not just the religious community. Not just the religiously pious. But to all people. Then look what he says. Today, here's the good news. Today, your Savior was born in the town of David. He is Christ the Lord. You get the emphasis? He doesn't announce it to the religious, pious community. He he announces it to a group of low-class outcasts who think they're unworthy and and inadequate and and unloved and says, guess what? I've got good news for you, you you shepherds, because your savior has been born. You see, religion was always going to let them down and make them feel like they didn't measure up, that this baby would be someone who would not only never let them down, but who would eventually die to show them how loved and how worthy they really were. So here's what I want us to do before we close. I want us to look at that good news. Good news. I want us to look at that good news from the Apostle Paul's perspective in Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 20, reading through verse 22. Because I think it will also help us to see the difference between religion and relationship. So Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 20, this is what we read. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. And then look at this verse. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are what's Paul saying first thing he's saying is this you can't earn God's acceptance by observing the law you can't earn God's acceptance by just being religious and this was such good news for the shepherds because they lived in a society where the Pharisees tried to obey 613 laws even though God said Whoa, 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 wait a minute here. That's just way too complicated. In fact, let me make it a lot less complicated. How about I just give you two? Love God, love others. But the religious community, they just kept the people trapped in observing 613 laws and the shepherds physically couldn't do it. But now an angel says, I've got good news for you. I've got good news for you. And that good news is is going to tell me that God doesn't accept me by just having to obey all these laws. That's not how I'm accepted by my God. The second thing Paul says is this. The real purpose of the law was what? To show our need for a savior. That was the purpose. Look what it says. The law simply shows how sinful we are. In other words... It reveals the fact that you and I, we need a Savior. We need a Savior. Now, if you haven't heard anything else, I want you to hear this, because this may be one of the most important things that that we talk about in these next few moments, and it's this. Today's culture, there's one fundamental flaw that we can find in our thinking, and that is this. We tend to see ourselves as basically good people. So, we convince ourselves that we're good. I've heard people say, Yeah, all you got to do is just be a good person. We've convinced ourselves that all we have to do is be good and that we're good people. Now, if you compare yourself to others, then probably that's true. I mean, you're probably basically a pretty good person if you're comparing yourself to others. But here's the thing we're not about, we're not talking about comparing ourselves to other people, we're talking about comparing ourselves to God's standard. And compared to God's standard, we're not that great. Whether you knew it or not, we're not that great. C.S. Lewis said, no man knows how bad he is till he has tried very hard to be good. Let me ask you. And just raise your hand, just by a show of hands. How many of you have ever told a lie? Okay. Now, if somebody around you did not raise their hand, you look at them and go, liar, liar, pants on fire. Because <laughs> we all have. Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever stolen something? Not necessarily big. Maybe a paper clip from, from somebody's desk or a pen from somebody's desk or the food that they put into the refrigerator at work. I mean, we've all done that, right? Okay, now, don't raise your hand on this one because I do not want you to get in a fight with your spouse. But how many of you have ever looked lustfully at someone? You know, Jesus said, if you look lustfully, you've committed adultery already in your heart. So if you've told a lie, what are you? What are you? A liar. If you've stolen something, what are you? You're a thief. If you've looked lustfully on someone according to what the Bible talks about, you're what? An adulterer. So basically, we're a church full of lying, thieving, adulterers. Merry Christmas. Welcome to the journey. (laughs) Now, you may be thinking, why are you doing this? I mean, why are you saying this? I'm doing this and I'm saying this because until you see yourself as a sinner, you will never see your need for a Savior. Get it? Until you see yourself as a sinner, you'll never see your need for a Savior. Until you recognize that compared to God, you're not a very good person. You will never see your need for a Savior. But when you realize you need a Savior, you're going to also realize that religion can't save you. Christianity was never meant to be a religion. It was meant to be a relationship with a loving God. That's why salvation is only found in a person, a baby who was born and announced to a group of discarded, lowly, unworthy, inadequate, unloved shepherds over 2,000 years ago. So then, if we can't be made righteous through the law... And if really the purpose of the law is to point us to a Savior to show how sinful we are, then, then how can we be made right? Well, Paul says righteousness with God comes by what? Faith in Jesus Christ alone. Faith in Jesus alone. It's not Jesus plus religion. It's not Jesus plus church membership. It's not Jesus plus giving. It's not Jesus plus good works. It's Jesus, period. It's putting our faith in Jesus only. That's what verse 22 said. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. And so that was such incredibly great news for these shepherds, that the angel would appear to them, the people that the religious community rejected, and the angel would simply say, You don't have to be afraid, man. I know you're frightened. You don't know what I'm here for. You don't know what I'm going to do to you. I know you're frightened, but you don't have to be. You see, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. To you. Your Savior's been born, and you don't have to fear anymore. Let me me close here and reflect. Again, religion didn't work for the shepherds, but they were about to discover that a relationship would. You see, religion is all about us and our efforts to please God, trying to be good enough. Relationship is about God's perfect work in satisfying our sin debt through Jesus. Religion is about what we do or don't do. Relationship is about what God did through the birth, death, and resurrection of his son. Religion could be spelled D-O. Relationship could be spelled D-O-N-E because it's totally and completely done for us. Religion says, I have to work hard, and if I work hard enough, then I can please God. Relationship says, because I am already accepted and loved by God through Jesus Christ, I don't have to prove anything, and that motivates me to do the good works he has called me to do simply out of the love that I have for him. You see, the shepherds felt just like we do, distant at times, unloved, unworthy, inadequate, But this announcement was a game changer in your life. And this announcement is a game changer in your life as well. So here's the thing. I want you to imagine in your mind that an angel is just standing before you right now. And this is what it says. It says, fear not, Joe, because today, in the town of David, your Savior has been born. Your Savior. And John, fear not, because in the town of David, today your Savior has been born. And Gary, fear not, because in today in the town of David, guess what? Your Savior, nobody else, your Savior has been born. Trey, same way. And we could just go on back and on back and on back because we do not have to fear. Why? Because our Savior has been born. And even though you feel unloved, unworthy, inadequate, distant, you don't have to feel that way anymore. Because it's not about keeping a religion. It's about having a relationship with the baby that was born to give us life. And so, as Adam plays, we're going to reflect. And maybe you've never accepted that baby. Maybe you've never accepted that gift. Maybe you've never realized that he was born for you. If you had been the only person alive, sin would have still separated you from God. And Jesus would have been born and died just for you. So where are you at? What do you need in your life today as we go into this Christmas season? It's so easy to get caught up in, in all the parties and all the... The gifts and the wrappings and the unwrappings and the travel and the family. It's so easy to get it caught up in all that and forget about the fact. Because over 2,000 years ago, good news was announced, and it's that our Savior was born. If there's anything you need today, I'd encourage you as we reflect to just come and sit here because we want to pray with you and encourage you. So whatever you have on your heart, just come, just come as we reflect.